Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Kids, we appreciate you being in with us this morning. It's always great the first Sunday of the month to have you in with us. We try to do different things each Sunday leading up. And so it may seem like a lot of information to you. But we're ready to get into the Word of God today. Amen? And I know you will in your classrooms. So go ahead and head to your classes. Teachers, head out with them. First Sunday of the month also means we'll be receiving communion here a little bit later. But uh, let's do this. While the kids are heading to class and some of the parents are taking them, let's stand up together again. And uh, we're just going to sing this a cappella right where you are. It's just, Lord, I magnify you. And just let it come from your heart. If you don't know the words, that's all right. It's easy. You'll be able to pick them up right away. Lord, I magnify you. Lord, I magnify you and lift up your wonderful name. Lord, I magnify you. Lord, I magnify you and lift up your wonderful name. Lord, I magnify you. Lord, I magnify you and lift up your wonderful name. Lord, I magnify you. Lord, I magnify you and lift up your wonderful name. Now, Holy Spirit, Jesus said you'd teach us all things. So we thank you now for that moving of your spirit in this worship auditorium and in every classroom. Let the will of God be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we started on a brand new series on Sunday mornings called God's Provision for Your Life. And want to pick up here just for a moment as we get into the word today in the book of Luke. So let's go to Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Well, football season out there, how's your teams doing? Are you happy with them? Mm, I'm happy. It makes me hungry for cheese every time I think about them. Hope your team's doing well. If it isn't, that's all right. Go ahead and root for mine. 
Are you there? Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. This is a portion of scripture a lot of people call the law of giving. And I want you to take a look at it. We're reading out of the New King James here. And in verse 38 it says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I'm sure you've heard this scripture many times, but as I remind you today of what we're looking at, there's something right at the very end of it that says it will be measured back to you with the same measure that you use. Giving has everything to do with your heart attitude. Now, giving is not just speaking about finances here. It's talking about your life. It's talking about having an attitude about you that wants to be able to bless others. When you want to serve people, it comes from your heart. I, I know. Have you ever had to do something that you didn't want to do? You were required to do it. Maybe it was at work. Maybe it was something within the family. And uh, you just had to do it. Did you, as a kid growing up, have your mother say, look, put on a happy face, you're going to do it. Maybe you got in trouble and you had to go and apologize to somebody, and yet you weren't really sure if you wanted to apologize, but you knew you were going to get in trouble. And your mother said, look, go over to the neighbors, tell them you're sorry for what you've done. Everybody has times that we do things that we don't necessarily really want to do. But this is not what this is talking about. This is talking about a heart attitude for every one of us to be in the presence of God. You see, because when we receive his salvation, it comes to us to forgive us of our sins and to give us a brand new start. So when we think about God, he first gave to us. God invested in all of us. And so when we receive him, it is something that we do. It's a choice. It's an act that goes on. So the Bible speaks to us here and says, give, and it'll be given back to you. The reason God gave us his son on the earth is because he wanted all of you. Look at your neighbor. Turn to somebody and say to him, God wants you. Tell him one more time, God wants you. Man, we can have a great big wanted poster out there with your picture on it in the post office. You know, I don't even think they have those in the post office anymore, do they? From oh, really? From time to time, I check just to make sure my picture's not up there or anything like that. Uh, it's important for us to know that God wanted you. Because he wants you, it changes your attitude. Haven't you ever been around folks that didn't want you around versus people who do like to have you around? There's something different that goes on there. God loves you. And because of that love, he reaches out to us constantly wanting to be able to touch our hearts. When you have an attitude of living to give, it shows in everything you do. It shows up in finding ways to help your neighbor out. Maybe you see their garbage can lid blowing down the street on garbage day. Or you see somebody's post office box or their mailbox in front of their house. The, the little door has been open and things are blowing out. You go and pick them up. You help them just because you care about people. You see, that attitude of giving, well, to be honest with you, it's sort of something that in America here we can be pretty proud of because most people love to be able to serve and help. You gotta remember, our country was founded on biblical principles. Even if people today sometimes try to avoid that or deny it or things like this, there was an attitude that people lived by the word of God. You know, the Bible was the textbook they had in the school. 
<laughs> they didn't have anything else for a long time. And so they learned the principles of the word. This attitude of giving is something that goes on deep within all of our hearts. There's something else that goes on. You know those scriptures that speak and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? It's important to know that that same message had came across within our country, that people within the United States may face obstacles, but we believe deep within our heart that we can do absolutely anything. Now, I know that somewhat seems to be squashed these days and may not seem to be as popular, but that same attitude is still there, and it's still in God's Word. So how do we tie them together here? It says give and it will be given back to you. Just know this, every time you serve somebody, every time you help meet a need, every time you find somebody who needs something and you bless them, every time you give to God with your offerings, your tithes, your time, your energy, your efforts, you know that when you're investing in them, they're going to give back into you. Now we don't just do things to get, but we do things because it's the right thing to do. We give of our energy, we give of our time. Because it speaks in here and says, given to you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Talk about abundance. Talk about provision. I have to tell you, Friday night when I was uh, getting ready to go to bed, we hadn't gone to the football game for UT. And uh, we were watching the give the scores and we saw how that Moline had beat Quincy. Man, I got excited about that because people haven't beat Quincy in a long time. Those Blue Devils, they're straight from the pit. Now, if you're from Quincy today, I'm sorry. But the thing is, I saw they won. I thought, how fantastic. So they go to the score. It's in the fourth quarter. They said it hadn't been settled yet. And UT was ahead. And I'm going, it's homecoming and they're ahead. And they're beating Rock Island. And I was so filled with joy until the morning when I woke up and saw the final score that was there, and it was just like, man, why couldn't the rapture have happened at that time when we were ahead? We could have gone into eternity knowing that we were the winners, but it wasn't to be so. I have to tell you that excess is not always a bad thing. Sometimes in our country today, we look at excess and we think about it just being sloppy. But in some of the countries we've gone and done missions work in, when they look at us, they have an idea in their mind about America, and they have an idea about the way that we live. Now, forget about everything you see on the press. Everybody in the world does not hate us. Most places, everybody still wants to come here because they see it as a land of opportunity. Are we perfect? No. Have we made mistakes? Yes. Do we constantly find ourselves correcting them? Yes, and we do it sort of in the front window of the store. We don't hide those things. We find ways to work at it and change and become a better people and a better nation. But this word is something that can touch every nation and every person wherever they are. I've preached it in Africa. I've preached it in Poland. I've preached it in South America. And I'm telling you, I want to speak it again to every one of us here. The word says, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your heart, into your bosom, into your life. Why? Because with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So what are you using? Are you using a teaspoon or are you using a full cup? Are you using a gallon bucket or a five-gallon bucket? How are you giving? How is your heart set up? Because 
what happens in the natural is sometimes when a need shows up in our life, we draw back. Oh boy, you never know what's going to happen. I better go ahead and try to, uh, to save this back here. I, I better not give to God. I better not give to anybody else because I have to watch every penny. It's good to be a good steward, but you don't want to bite your hand off. You want to do what you're called of God to do. And the Word talks about being a giver. Now let's look over in the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1 and verses 18 and 19. There are times that folks have a hard time forgiving someone of their sins. Maybe they're a public figure. Maybe they are somebody in Hollywood or a music star. You know, it's sort of funny, isn't it? When, when those folks fall and make a mess of their lives, everybody discards them for about six months, and then they say, I'm going to rehab, and everybody goes, oh, Oh, how wonderful. Oh, and they're going to be back, and they're going to be even stronger and better. But unfortunately, in modern times, the church has had a way of when somebody messes up, sometimes they sort of boot them to the side. It's never been that way here, and it never will be. But I'm telling you this much. The job of the church is to also be a place of restoration and wholeness and to be, a, 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 really, when you think about it, a hospital for folks that sin. God is in the business of restoration, amen? And so instead of us being quick to boot somebody to the side because they messed up or did something wrong, and even whether it was publicly or privately, I want you to be able to hold on just a little bit and see the compassion of God. Look at verse 18 in chapter 1 of Isaiah. It says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. There was a song that uh, when we were teenagers, Pastor Jeff and Carol remember with the singing group we were in that we used to sing this song together. It's a great song that you can use at the altar when you're calling people to salvation. But it's one that we need to be reminded of. It says here, come let us reason together. Don't hide from God. When a need shows up in your life, this is the time to dig in and get close to the Lord. This is the time to grab ground that is holy and to stand on it. And it says here, though your sins are like scarlet, if you have blown it and you're embarrassed to even come before God, guess what Jesus paid for that sin? He didn't just pay for the little sins. And... and to be honest with you, I'm using those terms, but I don't believe those terms. There is no such thing as little sin or big sin. Sin is sin. It's rebellion against God. But, you know, sometimes people look at it and say, ooh, that's a big one. Ooh, man, ooh you're not going to be forgiven. Man, you're going to be marked forever. When I was in high school, we had to read the book, The Scarlet Letter. Boy, that was a tough one. Here I've been witnessing doing all these different things to my friends at school. And, you know, the preacher in there is the bad guy. Great. <laughs> but as the truth goes on and everybody starts talking, as our class discussion finished up and found out the scarlet A that was worn by this young lady. And, and by the way, don't, doesn't it bother you culturally that we just sort of seem to blame the woman? Well, I know she was a harlot. She was evil. 
But as far as getting pregnant, as far as I know, you still need two. I'm glad that part's getting corrected. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe they should have had an A, B. I don't know. Whatever they needed to do with those letters they had to wear. The simple fact is that as we read through this, here was this woman that was put out of the community and embarrassed in front of everybody by wearing that scarlet letter upon her chest. I have to tell you, God does not put scarlet letters on anybody. His blood is the only scarlet that comes on any of us and it wipes away your sin. Though your sins be like scarlet, maybe they just stand out to everybody, they shall be as white as snow. You know, after a good snowstorm and you look out your window before snow plows or anything have come by, it just sort of covers everything. Anything that was messy or dirty or anything else like this gets covered and it's just purely white. It can be a beautiful moment. Then it goes on and it says, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I remember the first time I ever saw a sheep getting sheared and watching them. And, and I watched a guy who used the great big shears. He didn't use electric at that time. And we were down at Galesburg actually for railroad days for an activity. And they were doing it right in the city square. And these guys were good. They had those shears and they were just going along and they were taking and pulling this back. And eventually this great big fluffy woolly sheep was this skinny little thing. Now, I've sort of thought, maybe that's my problem. <laughs> maybe underneath here someplace is this skinny little person. Yeah, but then again, I go get a Hershey bar, so. <laughs> you pull that wool off, and it's, and it's one great big sheet that they take. And I'll never forget watching the guy as the sheep took off, and he took this thing, and he flung it up in the air. And you saw a little bit of loose stuff fly off. But here was this beautiful, beautiful piece of wool. That's how God sees you. You are beautiful to him. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. It washes away our sin. The forgiveness of God is absolutely amazing. Look, look down at verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, whenever the word if is mentioned in the Bible, I always circle it to help remind me that it's a condition. See, the truth is, Jesus paid for the sins of the world on the cross, but that doesn't mean all the world got saved. See, you have to accept it. God never forces anything, blessing or anything else on people. They have to make a choice. And the good news is, when you open your heart up to God and make a choice for him, please know this, he chose you a long time ago. Yeah, but that's when I was doing this wrong. That's when I was doing that. Pastor, you don't know the habits that I used to have. I don't know and I don't care. Because those things have been put under the blood of Jesus. But there's two words there that are really important. And it says, willing and obedient. Whew, talk about two tough words, willing and obedient here. But, you see, again, we go back to the heart condition. If you're going to be a giver, it's got to come from your heart. You've got to start somewhere. So you start to think, well, how can I be a blessing to somebody else? If you want to have some intentional evangelism, we used that term a couple weeks ago here, that you pick someone out that you work with or in your neighborhood, and you're choosing to minister to them. Yeah, but, I, you know, if I've spent an hour with them, and they didn't get saved. I'm going on to somebody else. 
don't give up on people so quick. People need the love of Jesus. And in our world today, there's so many flaky things out there. They're going to wait to see if you really mean what you say. If you're going to reach out to them, you've got to reach out to them with a sincere heart. And you've got to do things unto the Lord. If you're waiting for somebody to pat you on the back, you're doing the wrong thing. It's wonderful when a pat on the back happens, but it's more important to do what you do unto the Lord. Well, what if nobody ever pats me on the back? That's okay when you get to heaven, God will. But I need a, a daily pat on the back, Pastor. I understand that. You know what? Get a good Christian friend that will encourage you. If you're married, you already have that in your spouse. They will encourage you. But otherwise, find someone who will encourage you and help you so that when you say to them, I've been witnessing and doing this, I've been helping this person, and they go to you, that's great. That a girl, keep it up. That a boy, keep it up. And you find encouragement that happens. It's great to have encouragement, but I want you to know everything we do, we need to do it unto God. So again, how do we tie this all into provision? Let's go back in the New Testament to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. And the Bible says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God, did you notice small g in our texting world out there today where everybody just wants to use small case letters, Capital letter means God, creator of all life. Small letter can be like any kind of pagan, man-made God. So it says, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Satan has blinded the minds of many, many people out there. Don't just get mad at people because they have not come to Christ yet, but do your spiritual warfare ahead of time. Now, what do you mean about that, Pastor? Am I going to be fighting on the devil today? Remember this, Jesus defeated the devil at the cross. So if you're on the winning team, you already have the trophy. You already have the blessing. So what do you mean spiritual warfare? I want you to remind the devil where his place is. Maybe it'd be a good thing for you just to, to visually do this, to look down. Because you see, the Bible speaks about the devil being under our feet. Hallelujah. And the world is messy out there. Whew, that's why we always take off our shoes when we come into our house. You don't know what you've been walking through. And especially if I've gone out to the chickens, I never wear the chicken shoes even in the house. Even get close to it. Those stay in the garage. Because, you know, for some reason, they don't use the toilet. I don't know. We put one out there and tried to teach them how to flush it and things, and, and they just went wonky-tonk all over everything. It was terrible. They're chickens. Their brain is the size of a pea. Okay, there you go. Now we got a visual. we got some thinking here. The devil is under our feet. And when you need to think about where he is on a situation, you need to be praying for your friends. And don't get mad at them because they're not saved. They may just not know the truth yet. Maybe nobody even shared the gospel with them. So you pray something like this, and, and you don't have to look at your feet. Don't go out of here saying, Pastor always says when we pray, we look at our feet. 
Just hear me out. I'm just trying to give you a little illustration. To know this, you say, devil, you are bound by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you cannot deceive my friend anymore. I claim their salvation in Jesus' name. Or I claim their healing in Jesus' name. Whatever you need to be praying, you use the faith and the word of God that you have. Because Christ defeated the enemy on the cross. Now, we preach Jesus, not ourselves. You and I don't save anybody. You and I don't heal anybody. You know, it's a great thing. It's really cool when you pray for somebody and you see them get better. But don't start advertising to people and say, I'm a healer. Have me come because I heal people. You don't heal anybody. Jesus is the healer. Amen. Um, I think we've got a slide to put up here. Can we put up the one about the flame? Now, can you see the flame glowing over that matchstick? But when you look at its shadow on the wall, all you see is the match. You don't see the flame. Look at verse 6 in this chapter. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In him, the light of the world, there is no darkness at all. There is no darkness. That flame, oh, that was there, uh, that flame in itself did not have any darkness in it. Hallelujah. I know we may not use lanterns anymore, or you may only light candles in your home when you have guests that are coming over, but light is pretty amazing. It dispels darkness. It puts it out. That when you're in a dark room, maybe the power goes out and you grab your flashlight. Ah, a lot can happen with a flashlight. Give a flashlight to a kid, they go to bed at night, and they can do all kinds of things on their ceiling. They can paint pictures with their flashlight. They can go under their covers and have a secret world and kingdom underneath there. Maybe that was just me. But light is really fun. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And when he comes into your life, he dispels the darkness. You may not be able to see him but the light of the gospel is there because it has kicked out the darkness. Look down at verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. We are weak humans that can be vessels of God's power and might if we open up to him. You don't have to have great big muscles on your arm to be used by God to do great things for the kingdom of heaven. You may have great muscles on your body, but that's not going to guarantee you do wonderful things spiritually. Your spirit has to be open to God. And whether you be of small stature or large or tall or whatever stature you have, you have the power of the gospel inside you if you believe. Can I get an amen? Look on to verse 8 here. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Hallelujah. Verse 10. 
always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. The world will give you challenges, but just because you're facing a challenge doesn't mean you've lost. Just because you face a challenge does not mean it's time to throw in the towel. If you're standing for healing in your body, you continue to believe even if you don't see it manifest in the natural. You see, that's the eyes of faith. Faith begins to see the answer when you have nothing going on but what's in your heart. Again, we back, go back to our heart attitude. We go back to the things that we believe inside of us. What we truly believe will come out in the natural. If you're full of doubt and fear, I mean, have you ever been around people that are bitter? Man, all you have to do is spend a little bit of time with them, and all they talk about is things that are bitter or critical. Or if you've been around people that gossip, and they just love to tell stories, and before you know it, they're, they're telling stories about everybody else. Guess what? If they tell stories about everybody else, they're going to tell stories about you. Be careful what you say to them. Be careful what you listen to. Don't let that junk get inside you. Because once critical people get around you, if you're not full of the word, you will start getting critical. Yeah. What's wrong with those people? Man, what's wrong with them? Don't they know? If you start finding yourself ever lumping together people and calling them those people or that kind of person, let the sirens go off in your head. You're stepping over to the dark side and you need to get back to the light. Thank you, Yoda. Verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Have you ever just felt like everything has collapsed on you? Have you ever felt that the battle you're in seems to be almost too much and yet God says he'll never let you have more than you can handle? I heard somebody say one time when they quoted that scripture and they started to talk afterwards, they said, I know God has great confidence in me, but I think he believes in me too much. I got to tell you something, God knows what's inside you and you need to know what's inside you. You have been chosen by the king of kings. You have been chosen by the Lord of Lords, and do not let self begin to pull you back. Verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay, Sammy, would you come up here for a moment? You don't mind if I stand on the step. <laughs> Makes me feel better about being around you. I don't like just coming up to your armpit there. <laughs> Maybe if we were dance partners, that'd be all right. But homecoming's over. <laughs> all right. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you to just trust me for a minute, okay? Okay. Now, look at this sweet, innocent face. Isn't that a nice face? Isn't he a handsome boy? All right. Now, the things that happen in this natural world are temporary. It's over.
You can go sit down. Go sit down. It's just temporary. Sometimes when you're going through something, it doesn't feel like it's temporary. That's why we have the Word of God. That's why we have a Savior. Thanks for being a good sport about that. I'm sure nobody's ever slapped your face. Let's not mention her name or anything like that. Persecution tries to destroy you. But we have to look at the things which are not seen. You can't see victory in the natural when you're looking into the spirit. But yet when you look into the spirit with the eyes of faith, you begin to see the victory. Some people will tell you, well, what you've got is something that you inherited from your family and there's nothing you can do. Doctors say you'll always have this, you'll never get over it, you will never get any better, you will only get worse. But God. Looking at the unseen is where the miracle power of God works in any of our lives. The seen, well, those things are just temporary. But the unseen, those are the things that are eternal. Let's stay in the New Testament and just look over at Matthew chapter 15 with me for a moment. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after, out after us. But he answered and he said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now today we don't hear a whole lot about demon possession. There still are times that that takes place in unbelievers' lives. But something is happening here. Here is this woman who's an outsider. She's a Gentile. She's not a Jew in the natural. And she has a need that shows up. And she goes to Jesus and starts crying out to him. And he doesn't pay any attention to her at first. And his disciples sit back and say, hey, look, she's making a ruckus out here. You need to do something. He said, I was sent to the lost house of Israel. Remember, God's people were in covenant. And that's why God sent a Savior to redeem all of Israel. 
That was what the plan was, to redeem him and to keep the promise of salvation. We know that the early church had many Jews that had been converted and came to Christ. But at that time also, it opened it up that every Gentile who would believe could be saved. Now, the word, the word Gentile means non-covenant. It also means someone who is a heathen. Now, if you're a Christian and you come to Jesus and some people say, now, are you a Jew or a Gentile? You can just sort of freak them out for a minute and look at them and say, I'm neither. I'm a Christian. No, no, no. So you mean you're a Gentile. No, an, un, another definition of Gentile is an unbeliever. If you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior today, would you please say amen? You're not an unbeliever if you just said amen here. You're a part of the covenant family of God. You have been brought into the family. You have been brought into the plan of God. So as this word speaks here, some folks would look and say, man, I can't believe how hard he was on that woman. Her daughter was a mess. What was wrong with Jesus? He was teaching them something. He was showing them. She even, as she comes to him, says, even the little dogs eat under the table of their master. She was willing to know, hear me out, she knew her place in society. Oh, my. Now hear me out on this. Some places in society don't always value everybody the way they're supposed to. Don't just give up on them because they've done the wrong thing there, but pray for them to get the revelation of Jesus Christ. If somebody is in slavery or bondage today, God still has a plan to set them free. They will still hear the gospel. This woman was not sure where her place was, but she knew she was on the outside. She didn't know how to come in. Don't you know that because of the word of God that worked in her life and the healing that took place, there's nothing in Scripture that tells us after Jesus was risen from the dead, she got saved. But if God touched her life then and she found the message of salvation, man, I tend to believe that she came to Jesus. I believe she was one of those women who first came and followed him and wanted to have the power of God working in their lives. So here these people were that were unbelievers, and yet this woman had such faith that anything Jesus did could make a miracle happen. I want to encourage you today, believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord. Do not believe in your circumstances. Do not believe in the attack that's going on. Do not believe in those things. You may have to acknowledge them, but you need to make a decision that you will not allow that attack to become your final testimony you're going to choose to serve the Lord. Her faith was the only reason the miracle happened. Can you imagine that moment when she is dealing with everything, but she is determined for her daughter? Because who of us as parents wouldn't do anything for our kids? You as grandparents, wouldn't you do anything for your grandchildren? And the last words that we see here in verse 28, and Jesus said unto her, A woman, great is your faith, let it be unto you as you desire. What are you desiring today from God? What are you trusting the Lord for? What is going on? Do you understand that your heart, if you are willing or obedient, you will see the things of God? I just need to be obedient to the Lord. Don't you know, you and I can't keep all the law. Thank God for the Old Testament. It shows us the truth that was there and how God worked. But Jesus came to fulfill the law. And when you believe in him, he has paid for every part of the law so that you and I could be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and a child of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Last scripture for us today. Let's go over to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. 
you know, sometimes if a person's backslidden, when they hear the word, it can really throw them off. Just keep loving on people. Just because they may seem to reject it at first, again, they, they may be in a little bit of darkness. They may have pulled themselves so way, far away from the fire they can't see it anymore. Keep putting the word out there because the word of God changes hearts. Galatians chapter 3, and look at verse 13 and 14. Boy, this is a familiar scripture to many of us here. Verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or on the cross. Verse 14, That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We may not be Jews in the natural, but we have been engrafted into the vine by our faith. We have been brought into the family. Hallelujah. We have been so brought into the family of God that when you were on the outside, now you have been brought in. Maybe you have a very small family in the natural. Please, let me tell you something. Don't get discouraged. You are a part of the family of God. You have brothers and sisters all over the world who want to be a part of your life. When we get to heaven, you're going to have people that are rejoicing and saying, thank you for praying for my village. Thank you for giving. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for sending this missionary that are going to come up and welcome you into the arms of God. So here we see Christ has redeemed us from the curse. What's the curse? Well, if you've been around here for any time, you've heard us speak about this. In the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, everything changed. Remember, they were in the garden. They had everything they needed. Everything they needed was right there. They walked with God on a daily basis. And now they fall into sin. So what happens? They are cursed because of the sin. Poverty, sickness, and spiritual death kick in. Everyone needs a Savior. So when Christ went to the cross, he paid for that curse. What was done in the garden was covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? So every time poverty shows up, every time sickness shows up, every time spiritual death shows up, stand on the word of God. Be determined in your heart that you're going to believe the good things of heaven will take place and that you will see God move supernaturally. Why? Because you have a birthright. You have a birthright. You have a birthright in the kingdom of God. And the Lord would say to you, you have been redeemed from this stuff. Now, if you've been redeemed from it, leave it alone. Don't let it hang around with you anymore. Yeah, but pastor, I deserve it. You don't understand. Here, let's pick on something real quick, all right? Let's say you've had a problem with alcohol all your life. And so you give your heart to God. You start to change your life around. And the doctor says to you, you have cirrhosis of the liver because of all the booze you've drank. Here's what the devil will say to you. Well, you know what the Bible says. You know, the devil likes to quote scripture, but he never quite quotes it right. You know, you, you drank all those years. You know, you get what you have sown you know, the Bible says, what you sow, you're going to reap. At that moment, again, put him under your feet. 
Well, but pastor, I do. I deserve it. I did all those things wrong. For years and years and years I did this. I deserve to die of cirrhosis of the liver. You do not deserve to die of that. You see, Jesus paid for it on the cross. But I did do those things wrong, you know, and everybody keeps reminding me of it. Well, you need some new friends to hang out with. You need to have some friends that will encourage you what the Bible has to say instead of all your ugly past. Well, but, you know, I can't deny. No, 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 you can't deny. You did something, and it affected your body. But are you just going to give up and die? Well, at least I know I'll go to heaven. Yeah, you'll go to heaven, but what if it's premature? What if God still has a plan for you here on this earth? Glory to God. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came that you might have life and more, have that life more abundantly. John 10, 10. So here when we talk about the provision of God, Christ became a curse for us. Hallelujah. Your sins have been paid for on the cross. Your sicknesses have been paid for on the cross. Your debts in your finances have been paid for on the cross. Trust God to get you out of that hole. Trust God to get your bills paid. Trust God to bring the finances into your home. Trust God to bring the healing into your body. And trust God to bring the salvation into your family. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He became sin so that we who were sinners could become his children, his saints. Worship team, if you would come up here, please. We're going to get ready in a moment to receive communion together. But before we do any of that, I just want to ask you right where you're seated to close your eyes with me and take a look into your heart. Now, the Word tells us that before you receive communion, you need to make sure you don't have any unforgiveness going on in your life, that you've got things right, that you don't eat it inappropriately because you don't want to bring sin onto your life. But by chance today, if you are here and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I want to ask you to open up your heart to God. It's not about being good enough. It's not about being perfect. It is about receiving the free gift of salvation from our Lord and Savior. But you have to use your faith. And in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you would like to let the light of the gospel come into your life, he will change everything. He is the lover of your soul. He is the great I am. And he has put it all under the blood of the cross to make you whole. And if people or the devil has been whispering in your ear, telling you all that you are not able to do, let's shut them out today and stand in faith on the word of God. The Lord is my provider. If you believe that, would you say that with me? The Lord is my provider. One more time. The Lord is my provider. Now, you that have already accepted Christ, I'd like to ask you to go ahead and just take a moment right where you're seated. Nobody's going to be listening to you. They're all looking at their own hearts. And just make sure everything's right between you and God. And for those who have not ever accepted Christ and you would like to today, just repeat this prayer right where you're seated and just say, Heavenly Father, I need you today. Forgive me of my sin. 
I want a brand new start. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. If that's your prayer, you've just been born again. You've just been saved. And I encourage you to, as soon as possible, let other people know, let folks know here at church that you have been born again. Hallelujah. Now we honor you, we worship you, and we gaze. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.